Hi, everybody. It's so good to be with you. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the associate lead pastor here at Trinity. And before we move into spending some time together in the Bible, I have a really important update uh, to share with all of you. Those of you who are members have hopefully by now received an email from Chris letting you all know that he is going to be taking a previously unplanned uh, but much-needed and very well-deserved sabbatical uh, starting this week. Here at Trinity, we have and have done for years um, offered sabbatical to our full-time leaders. It's our way of demonstrating a commitment to rest and renewal. And Chris was due for sabbatical uh, this year, but he made the decision to defer his sabbatical so that he could be here with us and help us navigate through what has been an extraordinarily complicated uh, and ever-changing, uncertain time. And y'all, he has led so well. He has done an incredible job and worked extraordinarily hard, as hard as any one person uh, could be expected to work at a time like this. And now he needs a rest. He needs to take a break. So that's exactly what we get to offer him. And we are so thankful to have both the precedent and the policy in place for him to do exactly what he needs to do, which is just take some space for rest and renewal. We are also very thankful to have the support of our bishops and our vestry who are coming alongside both Chris and Karen to offer them support both pastorally and practically, um, as well as offering that same support uh, to our staff. So we feel very cared for, and we are so thankful uh, for that. So what we would ask from all of you is simply for you to pray, uh, to pray for Chris and for Karen, uh, to pray for the church. You know, this is a time for us to choose to rally together, to choose to be for each other and to be for our pastor. I was thinking this morning about this passage from Hebrews 13. There's this verse where Paul says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now the Lord is with us. He is for us. And so we're going to pray and we're going to keep doing the work that God has called us to do. Amen. All right. If you have Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6. John 6, we'll start reading in verse 35 to 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Spirit, Lord be with us. We ask you, God, for the peace of your presence. We ask you, Lord, to gather the church, to strengthen us, to lay hands of peace on us, Lord, to still us in ways that allow us to open ourselves up and hear from you, to listen, to be encouraged by you. 
Our prayer, Lord, this morning today, God, is that we would see Jesus. So will you open our eyes and our ears? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm really thankful uh, at a time like this, both in the world and in my life, uh, for the words of Jesus. Uh, and it's not because they are particularly easy to understand or um, on the surface at least uh, comforting or easy even to know exactly what he's saying to make sense of them. Uh, that's especially true maybe even in the passage that we just read. It's like, you know, we're all probably feeling like and wanting, hoping to hear from Jesus, and we sit with the words of Jesus, and they're not immediately comforting or easy to understand. It's like on the surface, they oftentimes do feel a sort of vague or far removed, foreign to us and maybe what we're going through uh, even. And so I just want to say I, I know that feeling. I understand and relate to it. Jesus is talking here about things that do feel in some ways very far removed from us. He's talking about God being his father. He's talking about um, coming down from heaven. He's talking about dying and being raised again. And all these things as like weighty and important as they are, they do seem sort of like, you know, far from us and what we're going through. And I know that's the case. Um, this is what I know also, however, to be true about the Bible the Bible is sort of like those optical illusions that we used to do when we were kids, or at least that I did. Do you guys remember those? The magic uh, seeing or the magic eye puzzles that you would look at um, for a long time. It looks like colors and patterns on the surface. That's all you can see. And the longer you stare at it, though, um, if you do it right, a picture emerges. And I remember both as a kid being like, you know, really excited to do these puzzles and also a little intimidated and terrified because, you know, what if you don't see what's there? You know, everybody around you can see the image and you're like, oh, all I see are colors. And I think sometimes that's how we feel about the Bible. And I just want you to know that, that that's okay. I actually do, in fact, think that there's an invitation here for us. When I sit with these words of Jesus, particularly at a time like this when I want and need to hear from him, the invitation is to look a little harder, to look deeper maybe even differently, to pray and ask the Lord, take the words of Jesus, God, and help us hear what he's saying to me today exactly right where I am. And when I do that, what I hear, what I see, are three promises that stand out. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Jesus was speaking to people who were trying to decide if they could follow him. These were people who were going to maybe possibly go from being sort of like curious bystanders to actual disciples of Jesus. But they didn't know really what that even meant. So they were asking a question that I don't think is terribly dissimilar to one that probably a lot of us are asking ourselves right now, which is this, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I think that's true even if you're Christian, even if you have been for a long time. When the world gets sort of as weird <laughs> and uncertain as it's probably felt for a lot of us for a long time, a lot of us find ourselves asking what does it even mean to follow Jesus in a world like this one and at a time like this? And so when we feel that, we have that sort of like just the question out there. Um, we're left expecting something. We want to hear something from God and also having to acknowledge that our like God muscles are weak. <laughs> we maybe don't even feel like we have what we need to hear or see. And that's for a lot of reasons. The truth is a lot of us have probably, uh, more recently, lost confidence and trust in our leaders, in our institutions, 
Confidence is just sort of in general at an all-time low. And what that does is it makes us feel like really disoriented. We've all probably even seen things in ourselves that we're not proud of, that we wouldn't like to see and don't want to admit. And all this together sort of results in this feeling of like the foundation is compromised. Something's happened. There's like a crack in the floor. And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of something that one of my favorite Bible scholars, Walter Brueggemann, said once in a book that he wrote about the Psalms. And I'm going to read you just a little bit from this book. It's brilliant. It's called Praying the Psalms. And he describes what I think a lot of us are going through as a cycle of disorientation. And here's what he says. He says, our life of faith consists in moving with God in terms of being securely oriented being painfully disoriented, and being surprisingly reoriented. This general way of speaking can apply to our self-acceptance, our relations to significant others, our participation in public issues. It can permit us to speak of passages, the life cycle, stages of growth, and identity crisis. It can permit us to be honest about what is happening to us. Most of all, it may provide us a way to think about the Psalms or the Bible more broadly in relation to our common human experience. For each of God's children is in transit along the flow of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. I was thinking about, about that because I think it's very fair to say that that's true for a lot of us. Collectively, we are going through a sort of cycle of disorientation. And when that's true, y'all, what we need is to be reminded of God's promises, something that's sure, the foundational thing. Uh, I think one of the reasons that all of us have felt sort of like we can relate or identify to what Simone Biles has been going through in the Olympics, you know, this case of the twisties. I think the reason there was such an outpouring of, like, support is because so many people resonated with what they saw happening to her. Like, yes, it's the twisties. That's what we feel. We don't know where the floor is. And when that's the case, what Walter Brueggemann is saying, what Jesus is saying, is that what we need is to like reestablish our connection, our sense of orientation to the floor, to the foundation. We need to be grounded and reoriented around what is most fundamentally true. So what we're going to do is spend our time looking at these three promises, holding them out in front of ourselves as a way of being reminded of what we know to be true about who Jesus is and who we are. So three promises, we'll just look at them together in the text. The first is this, the Lord will never drive us away. That's promise number one. Jesus says in verse 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. The second promise is this. The Lord will raise us up, Jesus says. He says this in verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. And then thirdly, the Lord will give us eternal life. Jesus says in verse 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Now there are some like deeply important, weighty theological truths embedded in each of these statements from Jesus. Jesus is talking about 
our salvation, how we can't lose it. He's never going to drive us away. That's a sort of promise that our salvation is secure. It's not something that we can lose. Uh, Secondly, when Jesus says that he will raise us up, he's talking about something as important as the resurrection, just saying that that's true. We will be resurrected. When he talks about eternal life, he's literally saying that we are going to live forever, that God has ensured that we can have a quality of life, a kind of life that begins today and stretches into eternity. These are all three really weighty, really important theological truths. But I also know that they can, like we were saying before, on their own and on the surface, feel far away. They're important, weighty. Yes, they matter. But like, what do they matter for today? What do they mean? Because what I think a lot of us need is something from God that feels more immediate. So some reassurance that God sees and knows where we are now. And I believe that that is exactly what Jesus intends to offer to me and to you. Because when I look at these three promises, here's what I see. It's not just a reminder of things that I know to be true about who Jesus is and who God is. But it's also a really gracious and honest acknowledgement that Jesus sees and knows who I am. That he knows things that are fundamentally true about me. And I want to just talk through what I mean. Here's the first thing. When we look at that first promise, the Lord will never drive us away. Here's what I hear. I hear Jesus acknowledging that he knows and expects even that I am going to mess up. He will never drive us away is him saying that there are going to be times when it's going to feel like we should be driven away or we will feel like hiding or running away. And this is Jesus sort of getting in front of us to say, if you choose to follow me, that is inevitable. It is going to happen. You're going to have a moment when you feel like you've messed up. You've done the thing you weren't supposed to do. We betray him or somebody else. We hurt somebody in a way that we know that we ought not to have done. We lie. And this is Jesus' promise that when you do those things, that he is not going to send you out into the night like some unclean plague. It's not his heart, it's not who he is. Jesus went into this thing with you knowing the score. He knew what to expect, and he counted the cost ahead of time. He won't reject me. That's the promise. Knowing who I am, even when I feel like hiding, when I feel like running away, Jesus has looked at the sin and the darkness in me and decided to treat it as light. Psalm 139, the psalmist says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I take the darkness and wrap it around me, the darkness is as light to you. And I think there's a promise there. You don't have to take the darkness and wrap it around you. And even if you tried, it's just as un- it's light to the Lord. He looks at the darkness in me, the sin in me, and he sees it as light. He's not going to drive me away, send it away. Secondly, he will raise us up. I hear this as an assurance, an acknowledgement that Jesus knows that I'm going to fail and fall down. 
that failing and falling down is a part of my life with him. It's just a part of this thing that we're doing. It's going to be a part of my story and your story. And this is him assuring us that when we fall down, we're not going to stay there. So I, I was sitting with that this week, and I hope you will. Jesus will raise you up. Is his way of reminding you that that's true and also telling you that you're going to fall down. And that when you do, you don't have to stay there. In fact, if he has his way, you will not stay there because he's the lifter of the lowly, the psalmist says. We sing that song a lot, that he is the promise and he is the keeper. This is what this means. Jesus is both the promise and he is the one that keeps the promise. He is the one that has to pick me up and set me on my feet and keep me going. That's true for every single one of us. He's not going to leave me lying on my face. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of my, my son, my, my oldest. He fell down a lot when he was a toddler. Before he was two, I think we made five trips to the emergency room. Stitches, staples, the whole nine yards. If you've got boys, you feel, you feel me. And it became sort of comical because whenever he would fall down, I would rush over and scoop him up. And he would always say the same thing, Mommy, I fell down. And then I would say, I know. You're just learning. And I think that's, that's true. It's true of me as a grown-up. I am going to fall down. I am going to run in a, to a place that feels like failure. And when I get there... Can I hear God say, I know you are just learning? More importantly, can I trust that that's his heart towards me? That failure is just a part of the promise to raise me up. It's true for you. It's just part of the promise to raise us up. It's not a license to be stupid, but it is an encouragement that what God wants us to do is to try to run. And when we do, we're going to fall down. And that's just part of it. Number three, he will give us eternal life. You know what I hear right now uh, in, this, in this moment in my own life is I hear Jesus acknowledging that at some point uh, I'm going to run out. I'm going to run into something that feels like a limit and like I don't have what I need to keep going. The only reason that the promise for eternal life means anything is because we know that we're going to die. If we weren't going to die, there would be no need for a promise to give us eternal life. And so what I hear Jesus acknowledging is that, yes, that's ultimately true. Like at one point, someday, you're going to literally run out of breath and you're going to die. But when I think about it in light of where I am right now today, what I hear Jesus saying is that it's also true that you're going to run out at some point, hit a limit, feel like you don't have it in you, even while you live. It's going to feel like dying. And yet, I will give you eternal life. That's the promise. Jesus is saying, in other words, I have in me a kind of death-defying life to offer you. That in me, there is something that I can give to you that will keep you going so when you run into the place that feels like I just, I've hit my limit, I don't have what I need, I don't know whatever that is for you. Patience, hope, faith 
can you hear Jesus saying to you today, I have those things. I will give you eternal life. What you need to keep going. He has it. He will give it. And that doesn't mean that something might not need to change. Something may need to change. Jesus said in another place, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. So some things may need to change, but there's no question about the wine. He has it, and he intends to give it to you. He will never drive us away. He will raise us up, and he will give us eternal life. When you mess up, when you fail, when you run out, Jesus is saying, you can come to me. Let me be who I say that I am. So a couple of questions for us to reflect on in light of those promises. Here's the first one. Where are you in a cycle of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation? Where do you feel like if you're imagining your life and those kinds of cycles, where do you feel like you are? Secondly, where have you messed up, fallen down, or run out? Where do you feel like you've messed up? Where do you feel like you've failed? Where do you feel like you've just run out? Can you sit with those things and put them before the Lord and then speak the promises of Jesus over them? I mean it literally. Hold the thing in your mind and then say the promise over it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you trust, to help you give it over to the Lord so that he can provide for you. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you.